This episode is sponsored by a donor to the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation, or AAMDS. AAMDS is the world's leading nonprofit health organization dedicated to supporting patients and families living with aplastic anemia, MDS, PNH, and related bone marrow failure diseases. The foundation provides answers, support, and hope to thousands of patients and their families around the world. Visit aamds.org. On this episode, we have Michelle Martin. Michelle started her career as a journalist and then shifted to corporate communications and speech writing. She became impassioned about social justice and community building and launched an artist-friendly site called Arts Ally that connected several ecosystem participants on a digital platform to support art sales. She sold that business and during the launch of another initiative succumbed to a catastrophic health issue. After her recovery, she continues to focus on health and wellness areas, launching a wellness product site called 7wow.co. Michelle, it's so great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. It's so great to be here, Asim. Nice to see you. Great to see you. So um, tell us about growing up in the Vancouver area. Sure. Wow, you're going way back there. Where to begin? Well, I actually grew up um, quite rural. I grew up um, in a farmhouse on the Sunshine Coast. And it's uh, it's funny now being in quarantine, I'm actually in the town that I grew up in and sort of get to drive by my, o- my old house and have all these reflections on how memories and how memories are made. Um, but it was it was a very isolated little spot. I was an only child. And um, I think I had a quite a wild imagination so that has trickled into my later life endeavors um well share with us a story that highlights your wild imagination there's definitely a few stories that come to mind um one was that uh i i always loved playing oh gosh i can't believe i'm talking about this but i always loved playing with um insects and um <laughs> i had jars i had jars in my treehouse of um all sorts of little creepy crawly things so you were um, a budding biologist i was a budding biologist and also um i'm gonna say a budding herbologist uh because you know being very sort of rural we always made toys with whatever we had around us um, so one day I thought it would be a great idea to put uh, rhubarb leaves in my lunch and make them <laughs> and have a pretend lunch with a friend. And there I go, eat the rhubarb leaf. And little did, you know, I find out later that I told my mom and rhubarb leaves are very poisonous. So these are the lessons we learn <laughs> about what, what's friendly and what's not. Um, you were basically doing live <laughs> clinical trials with you as the specimen. As the well, yeah, it's, it's interesting now. <laughs> One of the things that in my healing journey I'm, I'm very passionate about is adaptogens and uh, wild mushrooms. And ever since I was a little girl, I was going out um, mushroom picking with my dad. And experiencing the strangest looking mushrooms you know with these they they almost were growing spines they were so you know strange looking with red and dots and pimples and warts and you know you're like oh you can eat that one but you can't eat that one and that one if you breathe in the spores you're probably dead but that one's delicious you know with butter so um yeah i think there was a degree of discernment that was uh um it was a fun experiment and uh and something I'm, I'm 
really excited to actually get back into now in, in quarantine season if it persists. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. That's a great share. Kind of a live laboratory to be able to experience all these things with a guide, which was good <laughs> because then you wouldn't ingest any of those spores. Um, that's fantastic. And so um, tell us about uh, going to college and um, what you decided to study there. Sure. Um, well, I actually, I grew up um, in an area called the Kootenays, where it was a very, and when I say grow up, um, from about 12-year-old middle school onward. And so I was in a very sort of mountainous, rugged town in my, my um, high school years. And really got into snowboarding and outdoor sports and cross-country skiing and very much um, backcountry adventuring in ways that I would be nervous to do now. Um, so <laughs> but what happens when you don't know any better? Um, so actually me, me going to university was a really big deal um, and a really exciting time because I, I hadn't really found my, my intellectual self fully in, in university or in high school and that sort of time. But when I went to university, I found the student newspaper um, and I found it probably, I, I took a journalism class just on a whim and realized that the, the amount of passion I had for what went into a newspaper each day was just through the roof. I, I had a teacher um, who kind of brought the newspaper in and went, this is a miracle every day. This is a miracle. Look how much is in here. Look how much life. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I definitely resonated with that and started, uh, actually left university early and uh, took a few years off to be, um, like a full-time journalist, um, in Victoria, British Columbia. Wow. Um, the passion was so strong that you didn't want to finish. I, yeah. I, I love that your, your podcast is about nonlinear stories because mine are generally as a rule nonlinear, and, and um, nor was my university career but um, I, I did realize um, just kind of very early on that my my passion in journalism was actually about editorialism I, I didn't really like this sort of um, non-biased news concept I thought well you know I, I am life is a subjective experience and that's the truth that I can speak about so one of my earliest sort of large feature articles was about the master cleanse so drinking um uh, a huge amount of lemon um what was in it um maple syrup lemon cayenne pepper drink for 10 days straight uh, accompanied by delicious salt water flushes every morning but even there <laughs> um stories about health and wellness resonated with you and even you can see that thread from uh, being a uh, young botanist or herbologist. I mean, you must have been discussing with your dad the medicinal properties of what you were finding. <laughs> I think in my family, there was always uh, a little bit of a, a bent towards commerce. So um, actually, the, the, the conversations I remember were about the pine mushrooms and how we could if I found a good pine mushrooms, I could trade it for a $20 bill. Now that was very compelling. And so, um, yes, finding these mushrooms, going to the, the mushroom exchange and, and getting cold hard cash for mushrooms was, was uh, pretty exciting for me, I have to say. <laughs> gotcha, thanks for yeah. that. So then Michelle, did you go back to university to finish your degree? 
degree before BC Hydro? I did. Yeah, I did. Um, so what made I, you decide to go back to finish mm, your degree? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so most pieces of my story, my sort of uh, non-linear health challenges <laughs> have actually had a had an impact. Um, I actually was working as a daily news journalist in Saskatoon one summer, and um, and I think uh, enough cups of coffee over enough months and years has sort of started to take its toll. And there's definitely a newsroom culture that includes a a lot of beer and a lot of coffee. Um, and so, um, and I, I started to burn out very young, like very young, um, you know, in my early twenties. And so um, I had this real awakening that the next step I wanted to take in my direction was really um, to really ground and solidify my life and my talents in, you know, the marketplace, but also, um, you know, something I felt felt good about, and because um, BC Hydro was all about sustainable energy, um, it has a huge mandate for conservation. Um, I actually got a job originally there, um, uh, supporting all of these conservation outreach representatives around the province to get um, a bunch of stories in their local papers. So I became sort of the cog in the wheel of this hub of about. 50 outreach reps and you know teams that um, really spread that that message about sustainability. So that was so that that got me into to BC Hydro. Um, uh, I definitely um, really enjoyed. I would say the more subtle politics of things as well. So that led me into other directions, working with. Um, the executive team. I was the the CEO's uh, speech writer and uh, communication advisor for a number of years, and we had a really good relationship. You know, you expect a massive corporation, you know, eight thousand employees, to be always sort of a high stress situation. But we always had our like our weekly deep dive, and we just sat there and and laughed the whole time and barely talked about you know work. And he's like, well, you can read my mind anyway. Whatever you write is gonna be fine. I'm like, I know, I know, we're good. So it was that, just it was so nice to be at the you know the 18th floor and just feel like life was good. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Well, I think the most important part of what you've shared is that you finally found equilibrium between yeah work life balance that supported your health totally as someone who's incredibly passionate about everything that I choose to do um, it can be very easy to get lost in that passion so it was a great time and it was nice to you know buy my first condo in my early 20s and feel like I just you know like life was life was very clear but you know, as as life with creative people goes, I, I couldn't let it be too clear for too long. <laughs> there you go. That was a perfect segue because at some point you made a decision to go to Simon Fraser University for uh, an MBA. Was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there was um there was sort of a, a significant um project that had um come into my orbit 
while I was at BC Hydro. And so actually moonlighting as, um, as a co-founder of a collective decision-making startup um, called Ethlo. And I actually got involved originally from a from a social justice perspective, because um, our our mandate and what continues to be the mandate it was evolving democracy with technology, um, and just looking at the the party system as something that that really could be um, <laughs> improved. Um, how to move um, these new ideas through society through the media? I was doing a lot of sort of PR work to get that um, message out. The next leap was going to be. Um, was gonna be something that I could sort of hold autonomously myself and, and feel really, really passionate about. And thought, you know, I had a, was able to take a sabbatical from BC Hydro. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna go do an MBA and gonna figure out what this looks like. And as soon as, you know, that I let that opportunity in, it became very clear, um, you know, the ideas started coming in and, and, and that's what landed me on, on art, so. Yeah. Uh -huh. So basically you um, <laughs> put fuel to the fire, that passionate, <laughs> unbridled passion that you were talking about earlier. Mm. And um, there was no more BC Hydro. <laughs> yeah, no one, no, er, no one thought I was coming back. Um, and it's true, I didn't come back. I did think about it because it was, it was hard to it was such a great job, um, but during the time that I left, the, the CEO that I, I worked so well with um, resigned and stepped down and I, you know, went to his retirement party and, you know, gave him his gift and kind of, it felt like it closed, like that relationship kind of closed that experience with me. So um, it, it was time uh, to transition. It, it was time like. to transition. And so I, I had come up with this concept called, um, which came to be called Arts Ally. Um, but I was always really, really passionate about art and um, and also the arts community in Vancouver because I'd been going to Burning Man for a number of years. I was just just loved the the creative energy and and pulse and and spending my you know nights and weekends in those communities and immersive art experiences and creating and going to theater. So. So yeah, I, I started Arts Ally um, with a couple of, of business partners um, and it was all about how do we build hyper-local art communities so that artists can um, actually connect more with, with business, connect more with real estate. Um, it was it was inspired of when I went to sell my condo, um, that little condo I got at BC Hydro, um, it was like the realtor was staging it with Ikea art. And I said, well, why are, why are we using Ikea art? I have all these starving artist friends that, you know, would love their art to be staged in this. And, and you know, why isn't this easier? So, um, so that, that started this hyperlocal art economy concept. And um, we built a platform that was um, a subscription-based platform for for businesses and for individuals, or they could buy the arts. That's lovely. fantastic. That's really great. And I, I see the two threads that seem to apply to a lot of what you do, social justice and technology. Yeah, yeah. You had a very pro-artist orientation with Arts Ally. I did, I did. Well, uh, Michelle, on your website, you describe uh, near catastrophic health challenges. 
Yeah. Um, after I, I, I sold Arts Ally um, and had sort of transitioned from um, sort of the fast-paced IPO company working there um, into my next startup, um, it was, I, looking back, it was a time of a lot of extreme stress for a long time. And I knew the direction I wanted to point, and that was personal development and wellness and consciousness. However, um, it was almost like, it was like this real gritty, almost fight to get there, like just to make that jump to being doing those things. Um, and um, there was, there's a situation where a lot of people around me had um, in a very high stress work environment were having um, near breakdowns and you know I was just trying to support a lot of people through that I had launched next level you when I say launched we had uh, raised money had an amazing team we're building technology um, around uh, millennial retention and um, uh, basically how to support millennials in the workplace and their holistic personal development goals a lot of things started to go a bit wrong that I didn't quite pay attention to um, I was working with a lot of people from other countries and so for me waking up at 4 a.m starting calls around 5 30 was getting to be very normal um, you know working till midnight and doing it all over again um, the catastrophic happened when I um, got incredibly allergic to a bath product. It was, um, it was, you know, Sephora, they have little tester kits. I, I sprayed something and then I pretty much hit the floor um, and I, I, I went to the hospital. I didn't know why. Um, uh, it was an anaphylactic shock situation. But then it happened again a few days later and I, that time I couldn't get out of bed. I just it stopped me. It just, my, my system stopped. Um, wow. Was there a and, similar instigating event? Did you spray something? Yeah, it, it was a, well, it was, um, it was a, a shower gel that was citrus, but I, I don't know the sort of constituent toxins or, you know, chemicals that, that influenced it. And it, and it ended up being much more systemic in my body and pervasive than that. Um, through the coming days and weeks, I was getting allergic re reactions to water. I couldn't drink water without um, my body eating an avocado. My body would go into a near seizure. I, I actually couldn't, my senses got so overloaded by every experience around me that I, I really had to sit in a dark room and was only sort of lucid a couple hours a day. So it was a very challenging time, obviously, but for also the reasons of there was an entire team going, Michelle, where are you? You know, are you coming back? Like, what's happening? Is she coming back? And, you know, my co-founder did, did an amazing job sort of holding that space. But ultimately, um, the, the, the great tragedy at the time was, was, um, was that I didn't recover that fast. You know, it just didn't... Um, there was a lot of underlying issues that I hadn't recognized. Um, there was, um, uh, I guess, hypersensitivity that's, you know, still in my life to varying degrees um, many years later. It helped me develop a level of compassion that I 
don't think I could have understood otherwise. Um, so I'm very grateful for that experience and it was incredibly humbling um, in every level. And, um, and actually through it, I, um, I met my, my partner, Toby, who, uh, who, who, who at the beginning of a relationship becomes your full-time caretaker for a year, he did. So I, you know, I'm so eternally, you know, humbled and grateful that, you know, there was someone with that much heart to, to really, yeah, cook. As I was getting better, he always tells these stories about my whole sort of, uh, my whole uh, microbiome was changing as, as I was, you know, gaining more, more strength and ability to digest food. And, and so he'd make like, he'd make like a chicken or something and I would eat like the entire chicken and then like, you know, three potatoes. And it was just like, did you just eat, did you eat that whole, like, uh, you know, rack of lamb? Did you really? So. That's um, so funny. <laughs> wow, um, that's amazing. And thank you for uh, sharing that. Uh, yeah. About, uh, about Toby. Um, when this went down, uh, you were at uh, next level already, right? So this wasn't, yeah. this didn't impact your decision to sell Arts Ally. No, that happened. Um, that happened before. Yeah, it, it it impacted my decision to close Next Level U. Michelle, what does uh, integral integrity mean to you? Ooh, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, so Ken Wilber is, uh, I will say, hands down my my favorite philosopher, um, and I discovered him. Um, maybe almost a decade ago through who ended up being my, my business partner in Next Level U. Um, uh, Next Level U was very integrally informed and that was a lot of our conversations. But um, um, for anyone who, who hasn't heard of Ken, his, he's written many books and um, his sort of theory philosophy integral is, is really based on a holistic human development and how as individuals and as a species, we move through different stages of development, um, which really dictates how we, how we act and how we relate to each other and what we believe. Um, and, and sort of in addition to that, Ken wrote a book um, in more recent years about um, uh, there's the sort of a paradigms for personal development. And, and I love how he has he has growing up is one stream and waking up is another stream. And so that was a huge aha moment for me personally, because um, I recognized that these two worlds were very alive in my life, but not talking to each other. What my values were that would inform how I dealt with, uh, you know, trust in relationships. Um, and so, I think um, when I say integral integrity, it's it's an it's an evolving, emergent phenomena. It will never be be you know clearly defined, and that's part of the beauty of that that term. That was brilliant. <laughs> I love that. Um, when did you first come across Ken Wilber? There's a book called Grace and Grit that he wrote because um, him and his former wife Treya, they met and she she got cancer um she got breast cancer and um the story of grace and grit is a story of their letters and a story of them um navigating this 
catastrophic path together in a very beautiful way, in a very artful way, in a very philosophical way that connected me to um, Ken Wilber as a, as a human. In many ways, it feels like Ken's carrying his wife through that uh, experience is a lot like what Toby has done for you. Very much so. You're very perceptive. I, um, I felt that that is the parallel parallel narrative and um and um with him experiencing health challenges now i um it's it's a it's a light showing me what i want to give and how i want to be um it's nice to have those those influences as well so i think um with health it's something we can so easily take for granted and you know um just act and do what's easy <laughs> thank you for that that was a great share tell us about seven wow sure um well seven wow is really a framework it's a framework for thinking about um holistic health and well-being and I feel like I just want to name them. I want to name the seven wow, because how you can name a framework without the seven. Um, but this was developed uh, with Phil Cohen, a very, very dear friend and uh, constant co-conspirator and collaborator who's experienced similar health challenges. So we can't help but can, can always, uh, always um, uh, work through different ideas with each other. But, um, but seven wow is actually a little bit mapped to the seven chakras. Don't always tell everyone that, but I'm telling you that now. Depends on the context. Um, but the first, uh, the first world is rest. Uh, the second world is fuel. The third world is move. Um, the fourth is connect. The fifth is cleanse. The sixth is mind, M-Y-N-D, and the seventh is spirit. Um, so those seven, we've, we believe by putting that hat on, you can really, you can really see, see your full self. The world needs people like you. There's plenty who see the dystopian world out there. So thank you for being on the other side and energetically balancing us, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've been reading about contact tracing. I, I have a whole other element to me that is, is privacy and security and um, cryptocurrency. And so I, I definitely, I definitely acknowledge and respect um, the being aware but not being fearful i suppose is the distinction yeah. nice no that's well said very well said um let's talk a little bit about whole human ventures because it feels like that's where your current energy is going towards yeah i'm in the middle of, of launching a content and community focused e-commerce store and some related products um, called sevenwow.co um, so there's there's a number of sort of channels moving at the same time to get that to come into being but i can confirm that adaptogens and medicinal mushrooms will be part of that mix which i'm incredibly excited about um, <laughs> uh, and it'll be um, it'll be drink products that will be delicious, but also incredibly energy, um, what would you say, state changing according to what we want to get 
out of them. Gotcha. Um, so, so you'll develop yeah. the formulations and you'll have somebody manufacture them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. I'd love to hear about the Sea to Sky Startup Society. What a great Oh, name. that was so fun. So um, through the process of healing, one of the major life changes that happened was that I moved to Whistler with, with Toby, um, became his... Uh, well, his his kids, stepmom, so three little boys, and and I looked around in my new community, which is a, a international ski community, so very very international, really talented people, and and, and I kind of looked to myself and go, well, where is the you know where where are these people coming together? Where is these points of interconnection and intersection? And there wasn't really at that point much, but there was a huge interest in biohacking in the community and peak performance being a mountain town. Um, and there was definitely some tech leaders in that space willing to sort of start to activate some energy around that. So um, the Cedar Sky Startup Society formed really around um, a conference called the Cedar Sky Summit that was um, focused on entrepreneurial peak potential. So a lot of tech entrepreneurs um, came from various cities, um, mostly from Vancouver and some beyond, but um, it, it ended up being this like um, really deeply insightful experience. How many people it? participated? About 70 and we were all in a big cuddle puddle. Uh, so I, I love connecting people and it was just a really, when I, when I was living in Whistler, it was the perfect way to um, foster the sort of the energy that really excited me. That's really a, an amazing experience. That's, uh, that's so yeah. great. Tell us about Stratoscast. Stratoscast is a project that really came out of um, what I will call my, my Dharma long-term life project and um and that's has been come to be called stratos technology inc um in partnership with uh, phil who have spoken about and toby who have spoken about so um that that mission is really really activating technology um really powerful technology around heal humans healing humans in ways that haven't been done before and and we have a, a, a roadmap, but we know that we're gonna let we're gonna let things evolve as you know health and life and vitality uh, at the timing that 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 is right. So, um, in the meantime, um, Phil and I are, are have launched a podcast called Stratos Cast, which is really focused on the wellness innovation that's we're calling sort of on the edge or on the frontiers of uh, of what's. Um, sort of maybe universally accepted as as health i know not not everyone's talking about adaptogen mushrooms or um or you know the power of of transformative um uh meditation to to completely rewire our brain but that's definitely where we want to go and where we have a lot of fun <laughs> i love it that's so great and it just so suits you and so um, this, has been, this has been an amazing conversation, Michelle. Thank you so much. And I wish you nothing but luck as you pursue your dharmic mm -hmm. path. I love it. Yes. Thank you, Athene. This has been wonderful and great to talk to you more, too. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive in Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.